Good evening. This is a presentation of Movement Radio. Welcome to another edition of The Hauntings of. And now, here are your hosts, Chip Hazard and Talon Williams. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Hauntings of right here on Movement Radio. My name is Talon Williams alongside Chip Hazard. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you The Hauntings of South Dakota. So, Chip, what can we look forward to in today's episode? Oh, well, South Dakota is a state with a booming tourism industry, thanks to the likes of Mount Rushmore, the Badlands, Deadwood, and Custer State Park. These locations and many others across South Dakota are filled with mysterious and historical tales. It doesn't only attract regular tourists, though. Also, those with a flair for all things paranormal enjoy going to South Dakota. So let's dig a little bit deeper into some of the most haunted places in the state of South Dakota. Yes, and we're going to kick it off tonight with the Oropham Theater, and this is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Now, the Oropham Theater in in Sioux Falls is said to be the home of a ghost simply known as Larry. The historic theater was built in 1913 and was sold to the Sioux Falls Community Playhouse <clears throat> Excuse me, in, the, in 1954. It was around this time that Larry first started to make his presence known. The new owner stumbled on an old and very ornate casket in the theater's boiler room, but when they returned to clean out the room, the casket was gone. This became the norm around the theater with strange objects appearing and disappearing seamlessly at random. In 1959, things stepped up a gear. An actor called Ray Lofseness, I want to say that's how it's pronounced, please forgive me if it's wrong, spotted the figure of a man bathed in a blue-green light who was standing on the balcony pointing at him. He then felt this blast of cold air before being knocked unconscious by a falling sandbag twice. Larry has also, I seen that look he gave me. <laughs> Larry has also manifested as a shadow man in photographs from time to time. Nobody knows though sure who no one knows who Larry is. He was just given the name at some point. There is one popular tale which suggests that he could be an actor who disappeared in the middle of dress rehearsal. Apparently, his castmates heard gunshots in the light booth and went to investigate finding a pool of blood, but no body. Whether or not it is true, one thing can be agreed upon by most people. The theater is one of the most haunted buildings in the state of South Dakota. How are you feeling about this one? Because in a in a weird way, this sounds kind of like an urban legend. However, when you go when they when they find a casket in the boiler room and then they return to clean it and it's it's gone, and you see the guy sees the figure and the figure's pointing at him and then he gets knocked unconscious by a falling sandbag two times. You know that's uh it's a little uh, it's a little a uh, little more urban legendy. Um, how how are you feeling about this one, Bubble? I, I'm I'm definitely getting a. a a deep like urban legend feeling out of this. Uh, I do find it ironic. Like dude got knocked out by a falling sandbag twice. Uh, like did it hit him and he, he went out and he got back up 
and then another one fell directly or was this in two separate occasions i'd like to know a little more about that um the one that that kind of got me was the uh the gunshot in the light booth and they find the pool of blood but nobody was there right uh so now mind you they it is a theater so it could have been you know uh theater blood or whatnot and somebody was playing a gag but you know uh i'd like to know a little more it, it sounds very urban legendy yeah i mean it was like like what we said in the in the, in the blurb in the 1913 was when it was created or built and then sold to the community playhouse in the 50s um and i mean for you know, but people see, keep saying, oh, we see the shadow we figure from time to time. And, you know, multiple occurrences have said, oh, we've, we've seen this, you know. And they just automatically contribute it to a ghost simply known as Larry. You know, if something happens, oh, that's Larry again, you know. Um, right. I don't even know if uh, – do they still do plays? Do they still do performances, you think? Oh, uh, well, let's, let's, let's do a quick little – Yeah, do a quick little Google search and find out. I don't know where my phone went, so I'll, oh, it's right here. <laughs> I, I got you, I got you. All righty. Oh, it looks like they still do. Awesome. Anything uh, coming up that looks interesting? Um, They're doing a live action or a, a live theater play of Footloose, uh, June. Wait, today's the last day of it. Uh They've got a Jazz and Blues Society presents the Slim Man in October. Mm. Uh, and then uh, in November, they got Menopause the Musical. Menopause the Musical. Yeah. I, I didn't even know so. that was a thing, but okay, cool. You know, <clears throat> anybody wants to go uh, check that know. out? Go ahead. <laughs> All For right. Sure. That being said, though, let's, uh, like, like what we're talking about, yeah, it, it's a little bit more urban legend than it is anything i mean but yeah i'll i'll definitely look more into this one maybe a little bit later um but let's go ahead and move on to the next one you got it bubba uh yeah next up we're going to talk about mount marty college um and it doesn't say exactly where this is located but uh mount marty college sits on the bluffs overlooking the missouri river it is a catholic benedictine liberal arts college which was founded back in 1936. It's a relatively small school with a student body of only around a thousand. <clears throat> the paranormal tales seem to center on Whitby Hall, a resident that first opened in 1955. It is said to be haunted by the ghost of a man who wears gray polyester pants, several men in blue suits, and a white mist-like figure with no defined shape. The hauntings got so intense at one point that room 200 was locked up and left empty for years as this seemed to be where most of the activity happened. There's also said to be the spirit of a young woman haunting the elevator in Corby Hall, believed to be the spirit of a woman who disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Uh, now, unfortunately, that's all we have about Mount Marty College. Um, ah, again, I'm, I'm feeling 
kind of urban legendy about this. I mean, because there's no definitive anything, you know, like the young woman who disappeared under mysterious circumstances. I mean, did she just move away? I mean, right. I mean, did, you know, yeah. how are you feeling? Well, I mean, if she died at Corby Hall, then I can understand the being, I, you know, I mean, if she, if she died under mysterious circumstances, that's one thing, but disappeared, you know, that's, that doesn't really mean if, if, if people believe that the spirit is this young woman who disappeared, I mean, chances are she was probably murdered and her spirit haunts the elevator. Maybe she was killed in the elevator, you know? Um, I really want to know why room 200 is the, is the room that's at, uh, at Whitby Hall. Why, why room 200 is the one that is the most haunted. Like what exactly, what paranormal experience took place in that room for you to lock it up for so many years, you know? Right. And also, um, when it said the, uh, at Whitby Hall haunted by the ghost of a man who wore gray polyester pants and several men in blue suits, does that sound kind of Civil War-esque to you, in a sense? Very much so. Yeah. I got a very, uh, I got a very like, like old-school, like, battlefield-type, like, not like a Union soldier or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah but was part of the Civil War fought in South Dakota? I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I knew it was fought. The majority, the majority of it was fought in the South and, you know, a couple places in the Midwest. (laughs) I'm not sure it went that far up into South Dakota. Um, Right. You know, but, but South Dakota is home to, you know, an icon of democracy and, you know, with the, um, you know, Mount Rushmore, you know, so, and I don't, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that wasn't placed there as a civil war um, tribute or anything like that. So I, I don't know. I, I have to do a little bit more research on that uh, and right. get myself a little bit better about that. But anyway, so. <clears throat> excuse me. So we move on from there to one very interesting and simply entitled The Devil's Gulch. And this is in Gerritsen, uh, South Dakota. Local folklore states that in 1876, the outlaw Jesse James leaped across the 18-foot gorge, simply known as Devil's Gulch, on his horse while trying to escape capture after one of his many robberies. Many have said that such a jump would be impossible, but others believe that the horse could definitely clear the gorge. It is actually said to be haunted by the ghost up two lovers who died there in each other's arms. The story goes that sometime in the 1800s, a white outlaw and a band of Indian kidnappers, in, uh, white ball, uh, let, me, let me start over, excuse me. The story goes that sometime in the 1800s, a white outlaw and a band of Indians kidnapped a lady named Nellie Harding and took her to the gorge. Her fiancé managed to find them and actually was successful in killing most of his girlfriend's kidnappers. Unfortunately, both he and Nellie were fatally wounded in the melee. Since that day, visitors have reported hearing moans and screams, as well as seeing an apparition of the lovers. Very interesting. Um, you know, a little bit of the... Because uh, most people know Jesse James, the outlaw Jesse James. Um, right. 
I'm looking at the gorge now, uh, due to the picture that we have. Um, I think a horse, if a if a horse is healthy enough and strong enough, he could probably make it. My, you know, I mean, I've seen, I mean, I've seen horses jump like Aquarian Aquarius horses and stuff like that. I mean, I've seen them jump like almost twenty feet, you know. Um, but is one gulch higher than the other? Could it possibly happen? Um, but yeah, I mean, you're looking at the gulch just like I am. I mean, it's, it looks like it's pretty far down deep and pretty wide. Um, uh, I'm not going to say that the horse jumping it is impossible, but I am going to say that the horse jumping it is more, more than likely unlikely to happen. Well, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Okay. Uh, because there have been humans that uh have jumped like in the in the long jump right there have been humans that have jumped over 20 feet right so a horse could, a horse could i probably would clear, say yeah that a, a horse could definitely jump 18 feet especially if it's in you know full stride and and gets that that just right leap right uh i mean especially if jesse james is riding which many people would say you know jesse james was you know a pretty good you know horseman um uh but even then though to me the story of the lovers the two lovers nelly and you know her her fair you know her her fair love that seems more plausible from from the perspective of that there was a lot of you know kidnappings and killings and around these times um that part yeah, of the story most, makes a little bit more sense than the Jesse James story. Well, yeah, most definitely. Like to me, like what does Jesse James leaping across this eighteen foot gorge on a horse have to do with any paranormal activity? Like it doesn't say that the ghost of Jesse James, the ghost of the horse, or anything like that. Right. It's, it, it's just kind of filler like cannon fodder almost to like the real paranormal activity of Nellie Harding and her bow right yeah yeah so I mean yeah because the one thing that you mean was Jesse James was always known as I think many people consider him the most notorious outlaw in the history of the 1800s um a lot of people believe that um uh, and there's there's plenty of documentaries about it. Um, I actually had somebody in my family a long, long time ago tell me that that my family, in a weird way, I'm like a like a thirty second, twice removed cousin from Jesse James or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like thirty second twice removed. Like, okay, I, my my brain can't even complicate that. Like, what are you talking about? Like. Like, his family ended up, you know, because I know he had family or whatever, but I don't know if he had any sons or not, so that bloodline wouldn't be able to be traced, but I don't know. Um, right. Nevertheless, when it says, like, you know, it says, since that day, visitors have reported hearing moans and screams and even seeing the apparition of the lovers. That leads me more toward the the the, the lovers being the ghost that haunts it as opposed to anything related to Jesse James. Um, right. You know, um so yeah but i mean what would the, what would you see if you look into the gulch i mean would you see the two apparitions like embracing each other or holding hands walking the gorge or are they are they 
lying there almost lifeless because of the melee or how, how do you think that would look? Right. 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 Uh, I don't know. That's, that's one of those. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and like we said, I mean, the, the, I mean, it's a nice looking gorge, you know, it just looks like a pretty little, you know, gorge. I mean, it looks, it actually looks like something, you know, if you found the beginning of it, it looks like a place, you, I don't know if it might be a little bit too narrow to go whitewater rafting, but it kind of looks like a rapid. And if you look at the picture, um, right. And if anybody wants to check out the picture chip, where can they go? Um, as always, they can check out hauntedrooms.com. We're not sponsored, but we hope to be one Absolutely. day. Shout out to you, Haunted Rooms America. All right, so let's move on to the next one, Bubba. You got it? I do. Next up, we are going to talk about Easton's Castle, and this is in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Not to be confused with Aberdeen, Washington. Right. <clears throat> so Easton's Castle is a yellow brick house that was built sometime between 1886 and 1889. It was originally a 30-room, three-story Queen Anne-style mansion. But in 1902, it was bought by Carol Francis Easton, who had the exterior clad in yellow bricks. Following the death of Easton and his wife, their son became a recluse and seldom left the house. It deteriorated rapidly, and people were saying it was haunted before he ever passed away. Hmm. Since then, there have been reports of Miss Easton's ghost, the spirit of the family housekeeper, and perhaps the most concerning, a phantom that chases people wielding a knife. The fuck? Yeah. Uh, like some Phantom of the Opera type shit? I mean... <laughs> I mean, look, seeing a ghost is one thing, but I mean, you got to wield a knife, <laughs> right? Shit. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, my lord, I me. Mean, this is following the death of Easton and his wife. His son became very recluse and seldom left the house. I mean, you know, I, you know, knock on wood, you know, both of my parents are still here with me. Um, you know, and to a lot of people losing a parent does affect everybody affects it affects death affects everybody differently. Um, right. You know, some people, you know, want to do their best to, you know, continue to live on and, you know, keep people's memories alive. And other people just, you know, like what this article said, he became a recluse and seldom left the house almost became a hermit or a homebody. Like he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to, he almost, almost as if like he, he wanted to, you know, I won't say wallow in his misery, but in a, in a, in a kind of sense, it was like, you know, it's like, it's almost like he could not get over the death of his parents. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I mean, I, I can kind of understand that to a point, uh, you know, ha having lost my mom, uh, almost five years ago now. Uh, but at some point you have to kind of pick yourself up and move along because that's what your parents would like. Right. Exactly. And, when it says that uh, it, you know, determined it, 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 when the house deteriorated rapidly, people were even saying that the house was haunted before he even passed away. So I'm, I'm starting to think, okay, so, and also the spirit of the home of the family housekeeper is also said to be, so is it like this ghost wielding the knife? Is he kill people? And then the, the, the housekeeper's like, I got to clean up after you, even in the afterlife, this is some bullshit <laughs> or something like that, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. Um, 
Although I'm, I bet that would be a pretty, uh, pretty nice house though. Thirty rooms, three stories. You know, I don't know why you'd want to put yellow bricks on it. I mean, that kind of makes it look tacky, but you know. I mean, they maybe they wanted to follow the yellow. Brick I guess road. so. Maybe that was one. The, yeah, follow the yellow brick road to a ghost wheeling a fucking knife at you. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> right. all right. So we're gonna jump on from there. We're gonna go to the Homestake Opera House. And this is in Lead or Lead, South Dakota. I'm going to say Lead because I don't know who would name their town Lead. But I was just going to go with Lead. Um, now, the Homestake Opera House is thought to be among the most haunted buildings in South Dakota, with visitors and employees alike reporting all sorts of paranormal activity in the building, including hearing disembodied voices and seeing full-body apparitions of the resident's ghost. Now, unfortunately... This is all that's given on this one. So I'm going to go to my handy dandy smartphone here and I'm going to look up the Homestake Opera House and my phone's dead. Okay, I got to move on to the next thing. Uh, <laughs> don't you hate technology? Um, um, you got it, brother? Well, I, I, I did. I found, I found something here um, and it's from... Um, a website called blackhillspioneer.com okay and it, it's the the article is entitled phantoms of the homestake opera there you house go. uh so it says apparently musical scores and singing voices aren't the only things sailing through the air at the historic homestake opera house uh rocks white figures and far off images resembling the human form may suggest that the venue renowned for its acoustics and entertainment drawback in the day, may in fact harbor a bona fide phantom of the opera or two. Um, As part of the scariest sleepover weekend event held last weekend, now this was, uh, this article was written in October of 2013. Okay. Uh, So I'm I'm already catching some negative vibes here. But it says, as part of the scariest sleepover ever event held last weekend at the historic Homestake Opera House, uh, Black Hills Paranormal Investigators shared the results of its recent Lights Out investigation conducted last year in the venue. Uh, it says, uh, we started our investigation in the pool. We would soon be confronted with undeniable evidence of paranormal activity said lead investigator Mark Shadley. Uh, breathing and the voice of someone who was, or of this of someone other than investigators, was picked up on equipment first. We began to see and hear movement. Take a closer look as it appears to walk towards the back of the pool and then disappears. Uh, showing an, he said, showing an image that did resemble human form which presented itself on the forward-looking infrared thermal imagery or FLIR camera used during the investigation. Although that evidence was compelling and reviewed several hundred times by the group without explanation, the group, highly skeptical of all their findings, continued to search more. We would soon document some of the most compelling evidence we had ever captured. An investigator made their, or as investigators made their way through the pool area, rocks were thrown at them the first time they heard the sound of a rock hitting something they questioned validity of what had just happened soon a cry from one of the investigators validated their theory 
Josh Winnes was actually hit by a rock, Shadley said. So it wasn't like there was just one rock thrown and we couldn't explain what we heard. Josh was actually hit by a rock and none of us threw it. The pool wasn't the only area in the opera house that produced paranormal activity. While investigators were in the stage area, they heard a noise on the stage. Later, uh, evaluation showed that the recorder captured a voice. Uh, <clears throat> I'm right here were the words emitted by the so-called onstage spirit. Uh, in the dressing room area, two similar EVPs were captured uh, this time with more instance, here I am right here and get out were the two phrases determined to be heard by investigators after several hundred listens to the tape. A digital recorder in the dressing room captured movement that sounded like a table and chairs being moved. Uh, an EVP in the meeting room was determined to exclaim judgment, buddy. Uh, I'm a little on the <laughs> fence on yeah. Uh, I'm a little on the fence on that one, Shadley said, but the rock throwing was pretty incredible. Sitting down there and having rocks being thrown, that was one of the most compelling evidences of paranormal activity we had ever seen. Um, now, there's the article goes on and on. I'm just going to stop there. Um, but, uh, I, okay, so. I find it interesting that two things. Okay. Uh, one, they did an event right around Halloween and called it the scariest sleepover event right. ever. That triggers me to think that a good bit of this, if not all of it, was set up. Right. right? Fabricated. Right. Uh, now, to have a an actual paranormal investigator or, or a group of paranormal investigators, the Black Hills Paranormal Investigators, come in and say, you know, hey, you know, some of this stuff is eh, maybe, maybe not, you know, but... There was rocks thrown at us. Right. That, like, so who threw the rocks? Was it really a ghost? Or was there, you know, some kind of setup because this was a sleepover event, a, a, a scary sleepover event held right around Halloween? Was, it, was there a setup for these rocks to be thrown? Right, that does lend itself a little bit to anytime anyone embraces the uh, the idea of something being haunted. About eighty five to ninety percent of the time, it they're full of shit because they know they know that okay, people are automatically drawn to the paranormal, automatically drawn to the afterlife, automatically drawn to you know ghosts and apparitions and things of that nature so they'll automatically want to you know jump on it they'll automatically want to go to it they'll automatically want to be a part of it in a sense um so when when you hear and and this is something that i've you know begin to understand a little bit more 
is that ghost and paranormal activity sell. And if you're, especially during around Halloween time and all that, you know, different stuff, you know, and, and there are some exceptions to this. I mean, obviously people embrace the, the haunted nature in, in like a city like Savannah, Georgia or Charleston, West Virginia or New Orleans or something like that. But people who even skeptical people are very weirded out and creeped out in some cases, even if you're even if you're a hardcore skeptic you can at least go to a place that is being haunted and you could have an experience but nine times out of ten it's just it's just play play it's not a true paranormal experience it's just people inciting these feelings in you and it's it's not an authentic feeling it's fabricated you see what i'm saying no i agree you know so, like, true paranormal, like, a true paranormal, like, anytime any, like, true paranormal investigators go and, you know, do the research and things of that nature and getting EVPs, which nine times, I mean, I won't say nine times out of ten, like, it's like maybe seven times out of ten that you, you can't really distinguish what exactly an EVP is saying. I mean, but I've heard some EVPs that just would just blow your mind, like, whoa, holy shit, you know. And then you look at the history of maybe what took place in a certain room or took place in a certain building or a location, and it kind of matches up similarly to the EVP and what was said. And then, you know, um, yeah, it's uh, a lot of that shit is freaky. But like I said, but when you embrace the haunted nature of your business or your area or whatever, chances are that's probably embellished a little bit. Right. But yeah, yeah, that's I don't know. Anytime that you you have an event centered around Halloween and it's supposed to be like a scary thing that it's always it, in my mind always goes to it's fabricated. Right. But anyway. Uh but that's I mean that's just me. I, I get that there are a lot of people that, you know, truly believe in the paranormal. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a huge skeptic. Right. When it comes to that right. stuff. So. I mean, you, you came a long way from being a non-believer. So, I mean, there's a, and I've come more into um, looking at more things from a skeptical standpoint, but I still lean towards like, yeah, I still think ghosts are still real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but right. But nevertheless, um, let's go ahead and let's jump on to the next one. You got it? I do. We're going to talk about the Lucky Nugget Casino, and this is in Deadwood, South Dakota. Another of the buildings in Deadwood that certainly deserves a spot on any list of the most haunted locations in South Dakota would be the Lucky Nugget Casino. This is a favorite spot for paranormal investigators, and over the years, there have been more than enough evidence gathered here to say for certain that this building is haunted. Just some of the activity that has been recorded at the Lucky Nugget Casino through the years includes the scent of perfume suddenly appearing and then disappearing, phantom footsteps, and shadow people. Um... Unfortunately, that's all we have on the Lucky Nugget Casino. Yes. Um, uh, but if you look at um, Lucky Nugget Casino in Deadwood, um, 
a lot of times they'll uh, let's see hauntings here we go look at this one uh oh that's the same thing is it the same thing here let me click into it nope i don't think that's the same thing it's two different yeah it's two different things Anytime, but anytime you're dealing with a casino, you know, I mean, some casinos are owned by less than reputable characters and, you know, people who are, uh, what, what's the nicest way to say it? Made men, if you will, um, especially the ones out in Vegas. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a casino being haunted, maybe somebody, you know, lost the money, didn't have the money to pay, or maybe they won too much money and, you know, probably rob. You know, taking the casino for all it was worth, or something. Um, but yeah, how you feeling about this one? Um, I'd like to know. I'd like to I, know absolutely. more. Uh, first off, um, I'd like to know what paranormal investigative units, um went there and, and what they really found and how reputable those places yeah. are. Um, now I, I, I see that the black Hills paranormal investigative unit, um, has investigated this place and they say they see shadow people hear footsteps and have the scent of perfume, uh, appear and then disappear um but that's that's about, it. that's about it yeah um yeah so i don't know I, I i would i'm gonna do some more research i'd like to know a little more about it just just like i said um you can tell me all day long that oh you know we captured this stuff or whatnot but without reputable proof, I, my skepticism jumps right, into place. Right, yeah. I mean, it's not taps or ghost adventures or ghost hunters or something like that. You know, it's not, not a reputable, <clears throat> you know, people who, you know, have actually had the experiences before. Um, right. All right, so from that one, let's move on to another one. And this is Susan Hospital, and this is in Rapid City, South Dakota. Now, Susan Hospital opened in 1898 as a school for Native Americans, but in 1933 it became a sanitarium. And in 1939, it was turned into a hospital for Native Americans suffering from TB, which is tuberculosis. It closed down in the 60s, but later reopened as a hospital, which is said to be haunted by the ghost of fucking shit. The ghost of children buried on the property. I. Ah, okay, so uh, as you were reading that, when you said that it, it was a school for Native Americans and then became a sanitarium, I was like, oh, here we go with children or mentally ill people being um, hurt, abused, taken advantage yeah. of. And abused. Yeah, I, yes. I, I don't like the... Anyway, 
let me if I can repeat that second sentence, repeat that uh, last sentence I said. It closed down in the 60s, but later reopened as a hospital, which is said to be haunted by the ghost of the children buried on the property. There are hundreds of graves, many unmarked, and they are believed to be the cause of children crying and apparitions on the third floor. My God. You, you know you know how I feel, dude, about children, you know, ghostly children, apparitions. You know, you hear the cry. Your fatherly instincts want to kick in when you hear a child cry. You don't, you know, is, as, a, as a, it's so weird because when I wasn't a father and I heard a child cry, I'd be like, man, somebody shut that kid up. As a father, I'm thinking, well, where's that kid? I want to make sure he's okay. You know, like, it's weird. You know, it's some weird Jedi mind trick kids have, um, you know. But when you hear of the, the the ghost children, it's like, like well, you know, like why? What did they do to you? You know, and that and the fact that they were in mass unmarked graves like that, which if unmarked graves only mean like these children didn't even, you know, were they orphaned? Did they not know who their parents were? You know, were their files missing and they have no clue how to identify these children? Like that. You know, again, it was we're talking about a hospital here back in the early 1900s, and the majority of these hospitals did not give a fuck about their patients. So, and the and it's even more fucked up that they're that these are the children. You know what I mean? Right, 100. <sighs> percent Um, it always seems to be that when you have a building whatever it, it is uh and it, it switches from like a school to a sanitarium to a hospital to uh, a mental facility or whatnot there's always a story of um children or mentally children mentally ill patients or elderly patients being abused uh and used for um experiments right. <clears throat> and there there's always some kind of paranormal activity based around that right um so yeah it's, it's disgusting <laughs> very yeah. much so uh, and I don't know what the the deal was uh, back in the day of of doing that stuff, but it, it seems like it it always happened where it would be, you know, you you would get that 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 type of stuff yeah. happening. That's and it's, it's and it's horrible, dude. You know parents not knowing you know parents losing their children and you know things of that nature and then the, the people not even no records no you know you don't even know who the kids are like it's just it's just fucked up and sad and everything away from it. that being said let's let's move on from this um you got the next one Bo? uh i do we're gonna talk about the mount rushmore brewing company and this is in hill city Got South a bunch Dakota. of ghosts in this motherfucker uh, tonight, huh? Right. Uh, so the Mount Rushmore Brewing Company was once a restaurant 
but the building now houses a Harley Davidson store. There you go. Okay. Um, it has also formerly served as a funeral home and a crematorium, so it is certainly no stranger to death. Employees say objects move around on their own, and there are unexplained noises, especially in the basement where the remains of the cremation furnace are still What visible. the fuck, bro? Wow. So you mean to tell me if I go down in the basement and I see some leftover cremation equipment down there, and, like, I'm hearing, like, somebody, like, like could you imagine, like, walking down there just to get some, like, alcohol or something like that and you hear like banging and screaming and stuff like that and you look over and then maybe like you see like a glow coming from the furnace and it's like what the fuck kind of shit is it like, mm, i'm out here i don't need this job no more fuck y'all i'm leaving i'll, I'll, I'll go make my own beer right. in the bathtub you know what I mean? yeah um so when it was a restaurant they actually had pool tables right there and um there were several instances where you could visibly see the pool balls moving with no one around the oh, table. Shit. Now, I I can chalk that up as, I mean, this is in South Dakota, so, you know, maybe a, a small tremor from an earthquake or something like that, you know, that you can't really feel, but it right. happens. Yeah, so. I mean, definitely, 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 definitely. So, <clears throat> excuse me. All right, so we will move on from there to another one entitled, this is the Dakota Theater, and this is in Yankton, uh, South Dakota. Yankton! Yankton! Dakota Theater opened in 1902 and has had a variety of owners and many name changes since that time. However, one thing that never changed is the fact that the building is considered to be one of the most haunted. Cast members and customers have seen a, spe uh, a, a, a spectral face floating in the auditorium and have also heard the disembodied screams as well. A floating face. That sounds very, um, very strange. Um... But unfortunately, that's all that they have for us here on Haunted Rooms uh, America. But I did actually find another uh, website that's called Press and Dakotan. Uh, it was Ghost Encounters on Halloween Eve, um, and it offers a few ghost stories. Um, it says right here, okay, we already talked about that one. Uh, where we see it? Okay, here we go, Dakota Hall. Okay, now it says that it's supposed to be haunted by a boy who was caught in the girls' room in one. Okay, wait, I'm saying that's a different one. Oh wait, I'm, why, why, why am I looking at this one? I, here we go. Okay, so a dark and dusty theater, the cool atmosphere. Oh, no. no, no, I found it. I found it. <laughs> a dark and dusty theater, a cool atmosphere, a fur felt material of a red cushioned seat, so comfortable, right? So inviting to sit down and escape from the outside world with entertainment to come to to see a theater. Me. Things can never leave, including the unknown darkness that hides behind it. Now, the, the Dakota Theater has a long history of change. It first opened in 1902 as the Yankton Opera House. Okay, you're just going to pop up an ad right in front of me, douchebag? Okay, here we go. It says that after years of play performances, concerts, and many new owners, uh, it 
was named the Dakota Theater in 1929. The venue hosted many, many of uh, some of the first uh, Taking Pictures and Rising Stars. Uh, it was remodeled, closed, reopened, and it was that, and it is now known as the Lewis and Clark Theater Company. Actors, performers, patrons, and staff have all come and gone over the years, but some things still remain. Um, the executive director of the uh, LCTC, uh, Tara Gill, has been working in the theater since uh, since 1999, and she believes that the theater is being haunted by several spirits from this very day. She says, "Quote." When I became a board member, you hear about all these different urban legends. We have at least three ghosts that haunt the theater. Staff members believe that the most famous one is the one named Carmen. Legend has it that Carmen was an entertainer in her 20s who worked in a vaudeville theater in the early 1900s. She was believed to be walking across the catwalk above the stage when she fell to her death. Since then, Carmen has been... A reoccurring visitor amongst the theater patrons. She is a very friendly ghost, but often mischievous. Many events that happen on stage in the basement and the main stage, we believe that to be Carmen. Gill also recalls a number of incidences that may be Carmen's way of saying of still staying involved with the theater after she was robbed of her time in the spotlight so many years ago. She likes to be in the dressing room, Gil said. Water faucets will come on and on, will turn off and on by themselves. Paper towel racks will fly off the wall. Lights will blink. And the ominous hallway, the staff can hear heels crackling against the concrete floor. A, per, a person Carmen fancied, in particular, Sue Fields, a, a, a previous treasurer, husband of the LCTC board member Randy Fields, an actress, of the previous productions. Oh, so she fancied a... <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, she feels Carmen picked picks on her a lot. In the middle of the summertime, Fields had to wear a fur coat for one of the productions. She was always hot in the fur coat. One day she put the fur coat on, went on stage, and then all of a sudden she was freezing cold. She felt that Carmen had been wearing her coat. Fuck. Okay. Another spirit essence haunting the theater is one called Mr. Bix by the staff. One patron who previously worked in the production room recalled this man, Mr. Bix, is believed to be a worker who headed the production, the projection room. According to Gill, Fields was in the room one day with her four-year-old daughter pulling costumes for an upcoming show. All of a sudden, the granddaughter stood pointing in a murky corner in the room. Field said to her, what are you pointing at? And the granddaughter answered back, who is that man in the corner? Gil remembered three particular uh, incidents that truly make her wonder what lurks behind the walls of the old theater. She was in the entrance area doing her work all alone in the middle of the day. Suddenly, she heard someone or something but a loud, sharp cough almost as if someone was watching her. Another incident occurred when Gil was walking by the light booth one day. She was overwhelmed by the stench of cigarette smoke only in one area, and then it disappeared. An especially frightened event occurred when Gil was surrounded by her cast getting notes from the production Death by Chocolate. 
I felt a finger on my back, Gil said. My cast was standing in a perpendicular, was standing in my, in my peripheral vision. I asked one who was closest, did you just touch my back? He said, I'm over here, how can I touch your back? I truly felt a finger push me in the middle of my back. The most mysterious incidents for Gil occurred a few years ago, the night before a local woman's shelter held a presentation on the main stage. Organizers had a, pro had a projector set up in front of the screen. Gil's father had come to the theater the next morning to turn on the lights. He was fairly new to helping out in the theater at the time, Gil said. He called his daughter to ask how some of the lights work. As Gil's father was fiddling with the lights, three white flashes of light beamed across the screen. He thought nothing of it as he was messing with the lights, you know, the lighting controls. He then discovered that the projector was not connected to the light board at all, but was instead unplugged from the outlet. It, al it also had lens caps over the front lenses. Okay. He does not believe right. in ghosts whatsoever, Gil said. He said that the hairs on the back of his neck stood up straight and up and down his arm. He ran back to the light booth and made and tried to make it happen again, but he only got silence. Third poltergeist residing in the basement of the theater in the old prop room, Gil admits that this is the scariest one of all. Whoo boy. Here we go. There seems like I'm sorry, there seems to be a really heavy, dark feeling down there, she said. We've had some people down there to get prop. We'd send some people down there to get props and swear that there was a black shadow constantly walking around the room. It doesn't have a name. No one is sure exactly who it is. So, there's the uh, blurb that I found on that. Um, so, out of all out of all that, what did you how how are you feeling about this one particularly? I mean, you're you're hearing it from um, <clears throat> Tara Gill, who was the executive director of the Lewis and Clark Theater Company, uh, and she even mentioned it. Excuse me, that her father, who does not believe in ghosts whatsoever, had this feeling of you know being freaked out. How do you feel about this particular story? Um, you know, you can get, you can get those feelings and it be nothing. Like I get those feelings sometimes where like I go to take the trash out and I just get kind of an uneasy feeling and you just start looking around. Um, but I, I do find her her accounts from her father very right. interesting that's yeah, definitely an interesting account um and um they actually still do shows here at the uh dakota theater or as it's more known today as the lewis and clark theater um in fact uh they have a an event coming up uh January 6th to the 13th, which I, I'm sorry, June 6th to the 13th. I think it's already passed. It's called Four Weddings and Elvis. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um. Yeah, they got a, uh, they, they, oh, it says reserve your tickets, upcoming events. There you go. 
um, yeah, they got that one. Um, they hold auditions for different uh, plays. They do a lot of off-Broadway premieres and things of that nature. So if you're ever in South Dakota and you want to um, maybe possibly audition for a upcoming uh, play, go ahead. Give them a shot. I'm pretty sure that they would love to have you. That being said, let's move on to the very next one. Unless you had anything else you wanted to say about the theater. Uh, All right, cool. We'll go ahead and jump on to the next one. You got it? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about the Old Minnehaha Courthouse Museum. And this is in Sioux Falls. It kind of looks like Big Ben a little bit, don't it? Um, I I did get a very Big Ben-ish feeling from the picture. Um, but it says that Old Minnehaha Courthouse is now a museum, which is said to be haunted by various different spirits, making it one of the most haunted museums in South Dakota. Staff and visitors alike have reported hearing someone fall down the stairs, but when they go to look, there's nobody there. There are also disembodied voices and phantom footsteps moving from room to room. Some visitors also claimed to have seen a man sweeping the floor of one of the courtrooms who then vanishes if they approach Shit. him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So, so you hear somebody fall down the stairs and there's nobody there. Like, no, nope, right. time for me to go home. Uh, secondly, there's you're walking through the museum and... Oh, man, there's the janitor over there uh, sweeping. Hey, I need to... Where's the restroom? Let me go ask him. And then as you walk up to ask him, Sir, um, hey, where's the restroom? He ain't there no more? Nope. Nope. I ain't got to pee no more. (laughs) Hell yeah. Give me the fuck out of here, man. I don't even want to be here no more, man. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be scarier than shit. Yeah. that's, that's, That's one of them things that's like, you know... I mean, it's just, you see the man sweeping, you thinking, you know, the phantom footsteps, the disembodied voices. I feel like that's like, I mean, it's a common theme every time you hear, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's a very common theme. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, you hear somebody, I mean, you hear somebody fall down. I mean, even if it's a situation where they fall down and they, you know, how sometimes like you hurt yourself and in order to make yourself seem tough or make yourself feel better, you just, you get up and you just run to try to run the pain out. You know what I'm talking about? People have done that right. several times. You know, maybe that maybe that was what situation. Maybe he fell down the stairs and just kept on running because he didn't want to get people see him and get embarrassed or something. You know, um, who knows? I, I don't know. So, but anyway, let's move on to the very next one, and this one is called Hotel Alex Johnson. And this is in Rapid City, South Dakota. When venturing into South Dakota, tourists will find a number of world-famous sites to visit. Tourists can venture to Mount Rushmore, you know, Custer, the Crazy Horse Memorial, Deadwood, Keystone, Sturgis, Hill City. All of these places are only minutes away from Rapid City. And one of South Dakota's most haunted hotels is the historic Alex Johnson Hotel. Guests of this hotel get the opportunity to stay at one of the finest hotels that the cities can offer. Now, before we get into the hauntings, a little bit of a history. Back in the early 1920s, Vice President of the Chicago and Northwestern Railroad, Alex Johnson, decided to build a grand hotel in, in South Dakota's Rapid City. 
He wanted to build something spectacular as a tribute to the Lakota Sioux. Um, I'm sorry, the Lakota uh, Sioux tribes that lived in the area, as well as a, as the stunning Black Hills of the of that area. Construction began in 1927, and the doors of the hotel were opened and following it was opened in the following year of July 1st, 1928. The resulting building was designed to blend together Germanic uh, Tudor architecture to for the tremendous German uh, presence and the Plains Indian heritage. With its glorious location in the Black Hills of South Dakota, the Hotel Alex Johnson proved a great place for people to stay who were interested in seeing Mount, Mount Rushmore. It is important to note that Alex Johnson broke ground on his hotel only one day before work began on Mount Rushmore. The interior of the hotel boosted brick flooring in the lobby, which remains there still to this day. A symbol of Native a symbol Native Americans uh, adopted centuries ago by means four sacred corners of the earth is seen throughout the hotel even to this day. Johnson also had a chandelier placed in the hotel made of war spears. That's something. That nod that to the Lakota Sioux tribe has remained in place for nearly 90 years since the hotel has opened. The bar off the lobby of the hotel was built and named after Hotel Alex Johnson's first official guest, Patty O'Neill. For over, over the decades, the hotel played host to a long line of presidents, dignitaries, celebrities, and ordinary plain folk. The quaint decor is this ho- of this hotel has remained intact even after its change in ownership 20 years after its grand opening. At the time, the Epley Hotel Company purchased the hotel. The Alex Johnson would eventually become the Sheraton Johnson Hotel when Sheraton Hotels and Resorts purchased the Epley Hotel Company. In 1965, after nine years under that name, the hotel once again became the Alex Johnson. An interesting note about the hotel's history relates to its use as lodging for Alfred Hitchcock, Cary Grant, and Ava Ava Marie Saint. There we go. When they were filming the 1959 classic North by Northwest. Alfred Hitchcock even incorporated the name of the hotel into the dialogue of the film. On multiple occasions during the film dialogue, the speakers referenced the Sheraton Johnson Hotel. In the hotel's history, people used the historic building as a place to hold weddings, social events, as well as business gatherings. Not all of the Hotel Alex Johnson's history is positive and happy, however. There have also been a considerable amount of tragedy in the hotel as well. There have been reports of eight deaths in the hotel. Some of those, deaths, yeah, some wow. of those deaths remain unsolved. Some people may attribute these deaths in part or in total to the fact that Hotel Alex Johnson is ranked one of the most haunted places in South Dakota. Now, here we come to the hauntings. When one hears about hauntings at the new location, they may be hesitant to believe that there's any truth to the stories. There are people who, at one point or another, 
did not believe in the ghost at the Hotel Alex Johnson. Others took the stories they heard as an invitation to investigate yet another haunted hotel located in the United States. One of the groups that came to the Hotel Alex Johnson to determine if it was haunted or not was the group Ghost Hunters from the Sci-Fi Channel. So when Taps crew, so when the Taps crew spent their time at the Hotel Alex Johnson, they made multiple attempts to debunk different paranormal claims. In some of the cases, such as the message of "Help me," that appeared on the shower window when the room was steamed up, there was a logical explanation. It is quite impossible. It is quite possible someone left the message before the new guest checked in. In another instance, the growling sounds that many people have heard were thought to be heating pipes. That made sense until the thermal camera picked up a figure not belonging to the TAPS crew on the other side of the wall. Now, you still with me so far, Bubba? Okay. When Amy from the TAPS crew was in room 304, they captured a deep voice on their recorder. There were uh, squeaking noises as well as footsteps and the door opening when another crew member was sleeping in room 802. The dog, Maddie, that is trained to pick up a paranormal activity and ghostly presence, refused to go into the room with high EMF readings. There were also strange knocking sounds, things moving on their own, and one crew member felt some had, I'm sorry, one crew member felt some had exhausted a breath of air out of him. But the other crew members were not close enough to do anything to him. When it comes to people actually seeing ghost figures, people have claimed that they have seen three different people. One of the people that is supposedly seen around the hotel, Alex Jones, is Alex. I'm sorry, Alex Jones. I'm sorry, Alex Johnson is that of Mr. Johnson himself. Johnson died in the hotel in 1938. Many people believe he remains on the property to ensure that it stays operating properly. People have also stated that they have witnessed the ghost of a little girl, son of a bitch, on the 8th floor of the hotel. According to the statement, the little girl likes to run up and down the hallway, knocking on doors and then vanishing. They also, they also say that you can hear her giggling in the hallway as well as running up and down the stairs. Shit. Okay. <laughs> no thank you. Okay. No thank you. One of the most tragic and controversial ghost stories that remain at the hotel, is a bride who died on her wedding night. People have given... Yeah, that's a fucked up way to end the night. People have given her name, the lady in white, because when she was last seen, she was wearing a wedding dress. Okay, apropos for that, you know, for being called that. Although some people claim that she committed suicide. Friends of the like friends of the woman claimed that she was murdered because of a large inheritance that was waiting for her. No evidence was found to confirm a murder, so more than likely it was suicide. Some say that the woman haunts room eight twelve, the room from which she fell to her death from the window. She is said to wander the hotel in search of those who may have caused her death. People who have stayed in that room, uh, people who stay in that room, state that their drawers are 
turned upside down in the dresser when they were supposed to be previously correct. Okay, when they were previously incorrectly. So basically, you go to open a drawer, you know, you have that little little you know area, you know, and it's just turned upside down completely. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell's going on? It is not uncommon to find a window to find the window in room eight twelve open in the morning after it is left closed during the night. Furthermore, with respect to the young bride who perished, some say that they can still hear her crying. There you go. A couple more blurs. People interested in staying at the hotel to see if a ghost story can be real uh, can book the hotel. Um, uh, they actually have something called the Ghost Adventure Package. These adventure these adventurous people will get the opportunity to be checked into the room where the paranormal activity is taking place. Along with the different ghostly figures previously mentioned, there is a lot of additional activity and unexplained paranormal paranormal phenomenon that these ghost hunters should be on the lookout for while they stay the night at the hotel. Uh, guests to the hotel can appreciate seeing shadows of unusual places, doors opening and closing, and of course, unusual knocking and growling sounds. It is also possible to experience what many perceive as a very aggressive entity that lives in the hotel. It is said that this entity likes to shove and bite guests without any type of obvious provocation. To go along with that, there have been reports that chairs have been thrown across the room by someone not living. Other people state that the other chairs are simply pushed from one area of the room to the other. A former employee of the hotel claims that every morning he was tasked with consoling these guests that claim to have been visited by ghosts during the night. People have ran into cold spots throughout the hotel and had feeling that someone was sitting right next to them while others believe that someone is watching or following them while they wander around the hotel. It is obvious that the ghosts of the hotel remain very active. Instead of denying the claims, the Alex Johnson Hotel is not one. Well, instead of denying the claims that the Alex, the Alex Johnson is not one of the haunted places, the staff embraces the claims. It is even possible to look at the hotel's ghost book that is located at the front desk. It is there that people can put what they personally experience regarding their paranormal activity. Okay. I was with this until that very last state, until until that last paragraph. I was with Man, you the whole way. Like, like I, I get it. Like if you know, if you know for a fact, you know, which I mean, they did have you know the Taps crew in there, you know, and the Taps are a little bit different than the Ghost Adventure stuff. Like Taps are, you know. The taps are main not, not won't say mainly skeptical, but they they do they do a lot of they look at it from a from a standpoint of skepticism before they go in to do an investigation. And then they let the evidence speak for themselves. You know what I mean? So they they kind of do lend a little right. bit of credibility to the story, but then when you have the hotel embracing the idea, that makes me lean a little bit toward okay, how much of this are you fabricating, and how much of this is really legit? You know what I mean? So, go ahead. Exactly. What what else? What are your thoughts on it? I I mean, like I, I said, I, I was with you all the way up until that last paragraph when you know 
they basically are like, you know, hey, this place is haunted. Come check us out. Right. But anyway, yeah. Not 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 necessarily uh <laughs> you know. Not necessarily a place you want to you know, go if I mean it's one of the things if you're if you're looking for paranormal activity, you're you're probably going to find it. So Exactly. I um and the one thing that that did strike me as interesting was the uh people saying they they were bit by an unknown unseen um entity yeah entity yeah 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 that that struck me as right is interesting Inter- here's here's another one here's another part of the blurb that I didn't read it was actually in the main it was actually on the on the front blurb um it says that uh, there are two rooms in particularly. I think we talked we we talked about room two hundred eight and two twelve. Apparently, in room two hundred eight, the young couple reported uh, hearing phantom music and the feeling of being choked. Now, you a young couple, whatever you do in the bedroom is your business. Um, they had their pet dogs with them who were behaving strangely and getting agitated when they were in the room. So, you know, right? But you know that happens. Um, Dogs are, you know, whatever. Um, although, although I did say um, it, at one point it said that it was held as the show place of the West. Some of the famous guests who frequented the hotel included President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So there you go. Hmm. Very interesting. That's interesting. But anyway, all right. So let's move on to the last one of the evening. You got it, Bubba? I do. We're going to talk about the uh, Bullock Hotel, and this is in Deadwood, South Dakota. Um, now, it is reported that the original owner of the hotel, Seth, Seth Bullocks, still haunts the hotel to this day. Deadwood's first sheriff died in the hotel on the 23rd of September, 1919, in room 211, to be specific. Many people, guests, and hotel staff alike have reported seeing the ghost of the sheriff throughout the hotel. Now, people claim that the sheriff never hurt them, only called them and touched them as if gently passing by. The sheriff merely checks on the employees of the hotel and makes sure that they are working. When employees take breaks, he would make his presence felt so they would go back to work immediately. Uh, There have... There have been several ghost hunts as well as regular ghost tours of the hotel uh, with never a night gone by where something paranormal hasn't happened. In the second and third floor rooms of the hotel, guests have reported seeing inexplicable occurrences. Uh, Alarm clocks go off by themselves. Televisions turn on even when they are unplugged. And antique clock chimes of its own accord, even if it has not been working for several years. People who are interested in the paranormal should go on a ghost tour, which is conducted Hmm. regularly. Okay. Um, Now, a little bit of history here. The the Bullock Hotel was built and named after Deadwood's first sheriff, Seth Bullock. It started as a warehouse and was turned into a three-story hotel. The hotel was originally built and decorated in Italian and Victorian style. 
the original house has a large dining area, uh, a big lobby, a kitchen, and a pantry. Branch House, as it is called, is just adjacent to the building, and today it houses seven of the most beautiful suites in South Dakota. The, uh, the Ayers family purchased the hotel in 1976 and, made, uh, and was made into a, a hardware store. In 1991, the building was purchased by Bullock Properties and converted back into a hotel. Although the hotel's original furnishings have been sold uh, at an auction by the Ayers family, Bullock Properties started extensive renovations in order to restore the hotel to its former glory. Some changes were also made in order to improve the hotel's original design. The former 63 rooms were reduced to only 28. Rooms became larger than the original and were all equipped with private baths. Some of the rooms oh, today they fancy, even huh? have jacuzzis. <laughs> uh, oh, they fancy, huh? Yeah. Um, so the historic Bullock Hotel was beautifully appoint- has beautifully appointed rooms with large bathrooms. Luxury jacuzzi suites have separate sitting areas and a single king-size bed. Classic king or queen rooms and have full-size beds and are available in smoking and non-smoking types. Deluxe rooms have two queen beds and can also accommodate a rollaway when requested by guests. Bullies, the hotel's restaurant, was named after Bullock's longtime friend, Teddy Roosevelt. The restaurant has a beautiful and large fireplace, which is common to homes built in the late 19th century. The restaurant is open from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. The hotel can also accommodate weddings and meetings, and there are customizable packages provided to guests, whether the occasion, whatever the equation is, the hotel can help you with it. Right. Hmm. I mean, um, so the, uh, seems like the only uh, ghost or paranormal activity revolves around Seth Bullock, the original owner and very first sheriff of right. Deadwood. Um, and it seems to be a very friendly ghost, right. kind of like Casper the Friendly Ghost, um, where... You know, he, he's not out to hurt anybody. He's just like, hey, you know, you're <laughs> right? on break. It's time to get back to work. Yeah. Uh, Although, yeah. like, I mean, Deadwood to me, that, wasn't there a TV show called Deadwood at one point? Yeah. Is it about uh, yes, South Dakota? I, have, I mean, I don't even know. Um, I would have to. That's a quick Google search away. Yep, I'm on it right now. Uh, so it Deadwood is an American Western television series. Uh, it is set in the 1870s okay. in Deadwood, South Dakota, before and after the area's annexation by the Dakota Territory, and charts Deadwood's growth from camp to town. 
The show was created, produced, and largely written by Dave Millett. Oh, okay. How old? How old is that show? Is it still so, going on? Or uh, no, it only lasted for three seasons. Uh, it was it played from March twenty one two thousand four to August twenty six. Oh, okay. Two thousand. Any big names in it? Um. Let's see. Not really. No, not really. No. Maybe that's the reason why we haven't heard of some of these people. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe um, Deadwood wasn't really that good of a show where it didn't really capture the imagination of people. They probably just were like, yeah, maybe these actors aren't as good as we think they are or something. I don't know. Uh, well, uh, let me rephrase it. Timothy Oliphant okay. was in it. Who was he again? Uh, Timothy Oliphant was the guy who played uh, Agent Forty Six or Forty Seven in um, Oh, okay, the Hitman movie. He was also yeah, he was also in Scream Two, Gone in Sixty Seconds, The Girl Next Door. Uh, he played the bad guy okay. in Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, okay. He's, all right. Then. He's a good actor. Well, all right, Bubba. Well. Out of all the ones we talked about this evening, which one did you feel was the most interesting? Uh, I liked the historical aspect of the Bullock Hotel there in Deadwood. Um, I was really interested in the Hotel Alex Jones uh, until the very ending of the the blurb. Um, and then, what, what, which one was it? The, um, uh, would have been the, uh, right. Mount Marty College. Um, I, uh, I actually, like, the, uh, the first one we actually talked about, the, uh, the Ophenum the Orphan uh, Theater in Sioux Falls. I thought, that, I thought that was an interesting one. Uh, Devil's Gulch yeah. I thought was interesting. Um, although it was kind of lacking in the... I mean, yeah, you talk about the outlaw Jesse James and his horse jumping the gorge, but at the same time, it's like... You know, it, it, I mean, it, it, that's like more of, an, a, more of a fun fact than anything connecting to the legend. Um, um, although, I mean, and also I would probably have to say the Dakota theater was also one that I found interesting. Um, uh, and definitely the, uh, the Bullock hotel was definitely one that was interesting as well. <clears throat> well, right. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of, uh, the hauntings of, of South Dakota. The next two episodes of the hauntings of I'm looking forward to because, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about my home state, state of Tennessee. And then two weeks after that, Chip's home state of Texas. And uh, that I'm really, really looking forward to the next two episodes. Uh, we got a lot to talk about on both of them. Like, and especially next week, considering yes. that we we actually, and I, I've already taken a look at the list. I'm, I, you knew I was going to. Um, we actually talk, like, we're, we're going to be talking about three in particular from you know, Chattanooga, you know, and these are three places that I think we've been to before. 
Um, maybe not together, obviously, but we've been there at one point or another. Uh, but yeah, definitely looking forward to next week's episode. Um, yeah, thank you guys for tuning into this one. Uh, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here tonight, Bubba? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, two things real quick. Uh, don't forget that our new subscription based podcasts have started. Uh, go check those out. Links are everywhere on that. It's uh, $2.99 a month and you get all of the bonus content that we are putting out currently uh, with more to come. You get um, on the second and fourth Saturdays of every month, you get uh, battle topics and our rap rewind series. Uh, So, you know, please go support us in those efforts. Uh, All the money that we make off of that, we will be putting right back into the podcast to make it better for you. Uh, Secondly, check out movementradio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio. And if you happen to be listening to this on podcast or on Apple Podcasts, uh, please remember they have changed their the way their app works. It no longer automatically downloads the podcast for you. So if you just go up to the upper right corner, click the plus button, and that follows us, and you then you will automatically get our downloads. Leave us a five star review, and uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. A quick shout out before we get out of here tonight. Uh, shout out to uh, Sean Thompson over at Thompson Personal Training. $40 a session. Can't beat it. But, uh, cardio, boxing, strength and conditioning, yoga, even. You got a lot of cool stuff going on over there. Uh, he'll give you a damn good workout. I guarantee it. Uh, also, Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversation podcast. Go check out their content. Our good buddies, Andrew and Sean, over at the uh, Warrior Workout Network. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Unleashed Demon. Our buddy, Ivan Montanez. Um, and as always, thank you guys so much. We love this series that we've been doing and this series would not be possible without you guys. Um, you know, we, we're, we're coming down to, to, to almost the end. I think we got maybe 10 States left to do, and then we're done or maybe less than that. Um, yeah. Cause we got Tennessee, Texas, West Virginia, or Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Vermont, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Washington State, Wyoming. Wyoming. I think that's yeah. So we got nine left, right? I yeah, believe we got so. nine left. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'm sure there's probably one I'm missing, but which I always am. But anyway, again, thank you guys so much. We love you. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys next time on another edition of the Hauntings of Chip. Let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and go check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe, click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. And once again, movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. And I'm Talon Williams. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.